You're listening to the Unitarian Universalist Church of Lexington podcast. Take a moment to center yourself in this space and enjoy this week's sermon. Today's reading is from June Jordan. I must become a menace to my enemies. I will no longer brightly walk behind the one of you who fears me. Be afraid. I plan to give you reasons for your jumpy fits and facial tics. I will not walk politely on the pavements anymore. And this is dedicated in particular to those who hear my footsteps or the insubstantial rattling of my grocery cart then turn around to see me and hurry on away from this impressive terror on us I plan to blossom bloody on an afternoon surrounded by my comrades singing terrible revenge and merciless accelerating rhythms. But I've watched a blind man studying his face. I have set the table in the evening and sat down to eat the meals. Regularly, I have gone to sleep. There is no one to forgive me. The dead do not give a damn. I live like a lover who drops her dime into the phone just as the subway shakes into the station, wasting a message, canceling the question of her call, culminating at forgetting, but late, and always after the fact that could save or condemn me, I must become the action of my fate. How many of my brothers and my sisters will I kill before I teach myself retaliation? Shall we pick a number? South Africa, for instance. Do we agree that more than 10,000 in less than a year, but less than, than 5,000 slaughtered in more than six months will? What is the matter with me? I must become a menace to my enemies. And if I ever let you slide, you should be extirpated from our universe. You should be cauterized from Earth completely. Why order jerk-offs in the first tip, the first terrorist degree? And then let my body fail, my soul miss the devil pleasures. And if I ever let love go, because the hatred and the whispers become a phantom dictate by the day. And move the impulse and realities, blossoming the universe in my wild universities, and let love raise me out. I must become, I must become a menace to my enemies. Well, good morning again. Let us together take a moment and breathe. I want you to turn to your sibling neighbor and say this to them. I am you. You are me. We are one. It feels good to know that we truly are not alone. Our UU principle number seven reminds us of that. And that we are all interconnected in this web called life. And as an interconnected body, it's important to take some time and be reminded that we are human. And humanity hurts, crumbles, and is in need of a pick-me-up at times. Amen? 
We are always feeling, even when we cannot articulate what it is we are feeling. When we are conscious of what we are feeling. The bottom line is, feelings are neither right nor wrong. They just are. They also tend to reveal new information to us. It is within that information that gives us an opportunity to become curious about and further learn the root of those feelings. It's when we're curious that we are challenged to and potentially changes our response to what we feel. And here lately it seems that the atmosphere is wrought with a constant weathering of feelings, particularly anger. I cannot even begin to count the number of times I've been so moved with anger. Causes stemming from our political climate, unfavorable legislation, discriminatory laws affecting children, or even that these elements have backed folks into a corner so tightly that light doesn't even seem reachable. I'm starting to believe that being angry more often than I care to be may become a permanent symptom for the remainder of my life. What is that? Perhaps it's because I cannot understand in full why it is that many are caught between conspiracy and false reality. That the vision of the world I wish to live in is not shared by all. That what I feel I am contributing to the world is not good enough. Not being seen as it should be. Uh-oh. Anger is tricky because, like so many of us, we fail distinguish, to distinguish the impetus of our anger from the cause. We become attached to the emotion in the moment rather than sitting with the circumstance to better understand the root. And with many dark clouds floating around us at a time when, we, when so much that we care about is being assaulted, what do we do with all the frustration that knots up at the center of our chests, becoming an eventual implosion? What do we do with the anger we feel? Let's talk about it. I want to call your attention to the image on the screen. It is a painting that depicts a young, vulnerable person who is not as in touch with his feelings as he could be, yet he is self-portrayed as a monk. Of all the portrayals to paint oneself, a monk was his choice. Quiet, introverted, mysterious, seen but not seen, elusive, yet mad at the world too. This describes this young man to a T, and this would be the younger me. We were asked to paint a self-portrait back in college, an art course I was taking toward a minor in art. Paint yourself as you see yourself as. Dig deep into the recesses of your past, your present. What made you? The professor exclaimed in her very expressive instructional dance around the studio. That's a daunting task, I thought. I never really thought much about myself in the way of looking at me, the real me. Not to mention after the work is completed, I have to get up and show and discuss the work in front of my peers. The reasoning behind all the brushstrokes made to produce what you all now see here. Shocked and convicted, a surge of emotions overwhelmed me at the thought of what I would respond with for this assignment. Man, it may not seem like a tough task to some to simply paint 
yourself. The real you. Digging deep into who you are. What made you. But I can assure you that for me, I was petrified. I was also maddened by the assignment. Angry at the thought of having to bear my full person to a small studio of people I really didn't know. I knew that anger would be present in the display of this work. And you most may not be sympathetic to my pain, my self-expression, me. I knew I would have to revisit some storms and get struck a few more times in the process. Nonetheless, I had to go back there to pull out what made me. I had to go back there and would learn quite a bit about myself. That even today is incredibly invaluable. Getting angry is very easy nowadays. Hardly a week goes by that we don't get upset over at least three or four things, if not more. Am I right? There are millions in this country, hardworking people, outraged because they may never get to retire as early, if at all, due to the lack of savings and pension plans slashed by greedy corporations. Folks are angry almost daily at the ongoing idiocies of politicians and former president's actions. Others have lost homes, work. Many are trapped in painful, expensive illness. Those are all very valid reasons to throw a hairdryer, to be irate. And while we do get angry from time to time, for whatever reason, much of what gets us worked up can be classified as irritants. Those nuisances that threaten to make us lose control. And sure enough, stress is cumulative. Hold up enough of those irritants and watch out. We're ready to explode. So what do we do with our anger? Like many of you, I grew up feeling that anger was bad. Both in school and at home, I learned that anger made people do bad things. That it was a product of evil in the world. In church, I learned that anger was a sin, which I later discovered in the book of Ephesians 4, verse 26, it reads, in part, be angry and do not sin. Be angry and do not sin. In other words, it's okay to get angry, but don't do something you'll regret as a result of being sick. And someone obviously did not read their Bible when I was talking about it. Anyway. I didn't want to take part in that evil world. So when things would happen that made me angry, for example, getting bullied at school, being called a racial epithet, my childhood environment, I would sit with that anger, allow it to fester, to build up inside my body, not react, not be curious to, as to what I was even upset about. I felt like I was one of the, I was on the verge of explosions. I'd be sitting there in my place of escape, breathing heavily. Eventually, I'd be able to breathe easily, of course, but the feelings never quite left my body. What I didn't know back then was that those feelings would later morph into even deeper feelings of anger and resentment. I would become a crass individual, a loner, a frigid person, icy hot. Later, I quickly discovered that those feelings of resentment turned into paralyzing beliefs and actions that held me back from my deeper calling. 
I'd be sitting in a cafe eating lunch or drinking coffee and find myself getting angry that the person next to me was breathing too heavy. <laughs> or even glanced up at me. Glanced at me. The very sound of their chewing is driving me to the scent. And I'm still working on that. <laughs> I interpreted constructive criticism at my place of employment as personal insults. And I would leave interactions with coworkers or friends feeling angry, frustrated, and hurt. In short, I was becoming a person I did not know. Something had to change inside me. You know, the addition of yourself that no one can see. When I finally broke down and accessed that anger, I was afraid that it would consume me. And perhaps it already had for all that I knew. What actually happened was this. As I experienced those feelings of anger, I turned them into a teacher and means for transforming my life. I even learned that to transform anger into motivation was key. I learned that even today, that anger is a tool that I can use to help other people. And it certainly serves as a motivator when I travel to vote. So after having learned and discovered all of this, no longer ignoring and repressing my anger, I acknowledged it and, and could talk about it in order to express it and move on from it. But why am I still angry? Whoever said that learning a helpful process of discovery and then practicing that process would somehow work forever without hiccup lied. Life is meant to challenge us, scare us, push us, and force us to grow and evolve. When we accept this truth, we might understand that anger is neither bad or good when we separate it from our ideas on what is right and or wrong mentality. Anger is nothing more than embodied energy. After all, uh, as some might uh, call it, energy. The problem arises from the belief that anger is bad. Therefore, it should not be felt. It's always called. This is so unhealthy for us. And anger can be a wonderful catalyst for personal empowerment, change, and motivation. And on the note of motivation, people in the U.S. being so angry these days, this is what got us Donald Trump, in my opinion. What a shock, right? Collectively, folks simply could not place their anger and frustration. So they responded with their vote. And here we are, a nation further divided in hate, anger, and fear. And to add, there are current talks for the adoption of Christian nationalist ideology within all spheres of our nation. I would suggest this, that if you're angry at what's happening all around us each and every day, and against the way of life being pushed upon us, good for you. Allow that emotion to fuel the fire toward justice. Enlarge your territory of motivation and act on that motivation. Amen? That's who we are. I can tell you this much. I'm no longer going to sit around allowing my anger to turn inward within me, making me small, bitter, fearful, and hateful. I've already been there. 
That would mean that I'd have to give up my personal power and limited freedom to others. I'm not going to curl up in a ball defeated and cry for the change I seek. I'm going to continue on in action, applying these very principles in motion. Be reminded, as I have said this many times in this pulpit, change is a way of showing us what purpose looks like. And in order to discover one's purpose, work is required. I can only imagine who I'd be if I ever made, if I never made the decision to deny my dark side. I'd most likely become his victim, and not the young man I am today, one that's ripe for Unitarian Universalism. Not a hero, but a warrior of justice, a disciple of courage. When I consider this painted portrayal of myself as a monk, I remember this, that monks are also human. They're not mystical beings from another universe. They are among us. And so the difference between their practice and who I used to be is that they decided to quit the routine and move toward a deeper spiritual way of life. This does not conclude that they are never angry. Of course not. Spirituality, after all, is the process of confronting oneself and the emotions that we feel, right? It is the process of becoming fully aware of our behavior, our actions, intentions, and most importantly, our feelings. It is about taking responsibility for how we behave every single moment. I want to share with you a story. Ironically, it's about a month. <laughs> A monk decides to meditate alone. Away from his monastery, he takes a boat and goes out to the middle of the lake. He closes his eyes and begins to meditate. After a few hours of unperturbed silence, he suddenly feels the blow of another boat hitting his. With his eyes still closed, he feels anger rising up within him. When he opens his eyes, he is ready to shout, at the boater who dared disturb his meditation. But when he opened up his eyes and saw that it was an empty boat, not tied up, floating in the middle of the lake, at that moment, the monk achieves self-realization and understands that anger is within him too. It simply needs to get hit by an external object below. After that, whenever he meets someone who irritates or provokes his anger, he remembers this. The other person is just an empty boat. Anger is already inside. I think it's fair to say that even the most spiritual of people will experience heightened emotions on their own paths. We do, don't we? And rather than getting comfortable, resorting to being safe, yet miserable inside the shell of comfort, the soul requires work. Overcoming is hard, it's ugly, it's painful, and it ain't for the faint of heart or my best language. <laughs> and after some tough love and further upset, it's a process. Anger is part of our standard equipment. So we, like everything else, must learn to use our anger wisely. And this brings me to the role of our anger in this time and our continued work as we struggle for justice. There is certainly more than enough anger to go around. People of every political type, religious type, 
and socioeconomic variety are saying that they are angry. And we should be too. You might say, I am not angry every minute of the day, David. Of course not. But I am angry enough that I am compelled to fuel it into the works. Dr. King knew anger intimately. In his autobiography, he wrote about an incident that occurred in 1943. He said this, when I was 14, I traveled from Atlanta to Dublin, Georgia, with a deeper teacher, with a dear teacher of mine, Mrs. Bradley, to participate in an oratorical contest. We were on a bus returning to Atlanta. Along the way, some white passengers boarded the bus, and, and the white driver ordered us to get up and give the whites our seats. We didn't move quickly enough to suit him, so he began cursing at us. I intended to stay right in that seat, but Mrs. Bradley urged me up out of the seat, saying we had to obey the law. We stood up in the aisle for 90 miles to Atlanta. That night will never leave my memory. It was the angriest I've ever been in my life. Dr. King was familiar with anger. He too came to understand it, learning from it as he struggled with it in his own life, recalling an especially challenging event in which he responded with anger. King wrote this, I had spoken hastily and resentfully, yet I knew that this was no way to solve the problem. You must not harbor anger, I admonished myself. You must be willing to suffer the anger of the opponent and yet not return anger. You must not become bitter. No matter how emotional your opponents are, you must be calm. As I before mentioned, it's when we're curious that we are challenged to and potentially changes our response to what we feel. Dr. King got curious with his anger. He didn't attach himself or self-identify with it. He became a student of it, allowing it to deepen his personal convictions, put into practice nonviolence in his approach, and motivated him to continue in the work of racial justice. Dr. King knew that the more obvious lesson hurt his curiosity. Feelings may not be wrong as we experience them, but the actions as a result of our attachment to them can be. I want to get back to that guy. I think it's fair to say that he's growing in the right direction. He's no longer shrinking toward getting smaller, wrecked in a shell of misery. He's experiencing life never alone, with pride, listening to and dealing with his emotions. He's angry still, but will continue to learn from his anger, allowing it to propel him forward to carry on that radical dream of human freedom, a dream soaked in human dignity, one of connection as he continues to share it with this community. He's not called to arms, rather he's called to a higher purpose. Turns out the presentation of his work was very successful. I did get that A. <laughs> but it required more work than just completing the assignment. I was the only one to paint a self-portrait as a spiritual discipline, whose face, neck, and eyes were painted 
with visible exterior stains, representative of all the interior emotions that we get to with. Perhaps I really was and am a monk. Disciplined but not perfect, spotted but not visible to the naked eye, clothed by worldly comforts but not always happy, emotional but not always conscious of what I am feeling, a student of life but I sometimes get to be the teacher, a risk taker but okay with not being branded a hero. Friends, we have every opportunity to allow our anger to become the teacher and motivate us to becoming greater warriors of justice. We have an opportunity to change the means toward implementing a better method. We're not just Unitarian Universalists. We are human, too. And with that, we do need help sometimes. We need guidance. We need to be picked up and pointed toward deeper truths. And we sometimes need to be reminded that we are all interconnected in this web we call life. Let us together once more take a moment and breathe. And one more time, turn to your sibling neighbor and say this to them. I am you. I am you. You are me. You are me. We are one. We are one. Of all that we have, continue to and we yet do. May we continue to learn from ourselves, each other, and from one. This has been anger, the inside edition. May it be so. Amen. Amen. I hope you've enjoyed this week's podcast. If you would like to learn more about us, please visit our website at www.ucl.org, where you can find more information about our grounds, staff, and upcoming events. You can also subscribe to our e-news there and learn about our virtual service offerings. We'll see you next week.